We're going to stand for the reading of God's word. And we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. And I just know that God is doing something for someone this morning. Come on, just lift your Bibles in the air as we continue this series. And what is the point? And this morning we're going to focus on what is the point of worship. Just declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be wondering, so what we're going to read. Just one scripture is in First Timothy chapter 4. Uh, just two, let me give you two. And then Matthew 15 from 8 to 9. First Timothy 4 verse 7 says this, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. This is the New American Standard Version. The second part of it um, says, discipline yourself. This is First Timothy 4, verse 7. Hallelujah. First Timothy 4, right? Verse 7. All right. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Matthew 15, from 8 to 9. In the New American Standard Bible, it says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will open our eyes to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice, Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. God, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. So cause strong convictions to come upon us this morning. Change us from the inside out. Lord, we decrease so that you would increase. This is not our church. This is not our time. This is not our moment. You are the center of our focus, the center of our worship, the center of it all. And so, God, you do your work as we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And uh, Over the last few weeks, you have been examining the disciplines of discipleship. You know, talking about what is the point of some of these things. Those practices and actions that will help us to grow as disciples of Christ. And so we have talked about the point of prior. We have looked at the point of the Bible in our spiritual development. And we have emphasized that you have the responsibility and you have the ability to add to your spiritual development. The 
point of all of this is so that we can become disciples who make disciples. Amen? That's the point. The point of all this is so that we can love God, love people, and make disciples who make disciples. So we can go into all the world and make the disciples of all men. That is why our mission statement says, we exist to win the lost, connect them to the church, train them up, and send them out in order to glorify God. That glorify God speaks to praying and worshiping God. Because discipleship is Bible study. Ministry is serving, right? Um, winning the loss is evangelism. So the core functions of the church are the core function of the church of God. Because there is only one church. Amen? There is only one church. And it is Christ's church. And we are all part of that church. So we must endeavor to become like Christ. Our duty is not to become like a pastor, a deacon, a bishop. Our job is not to become pastors. We are not on earth to become pastors or evangelists. We are to become like Christ. Amen? We are not here to become worship leaders. We are not here to become prayer warriors. We are not here for those purposes. Our purpose on earth is to become like Christ. That must be the focus. So in our studies in life, on the spiritual things, it should never be about, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor. We must be qualified children of God that look like our father. Amen. We must discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Our Father, our Heavenly Father wants us to become more like Him and His Son, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. What can you do to grow as a Christian? Or what can I do to help you grow as a Christian? Is there anything that I can do to help me be more like Christ? Is there anything you can do that will help you to be more like Christ? I believe there are things we can do. We can read our Bibles. Amen. We can pray. We can meditate on God's word. And we can also worship. Because worship is an act of discipleship. We can worship to become more like Jesus. We can worship to become more godly. You can worship and become more godly. And you can worship and become like God. Because godliness without worship of God is impossible. You cannot become like God and not worship. But there is a danger. You can worship and can miss the mark. Not every worship is going to make you godly. Because there is false worship. Because you work. Listen, everyone worships something or someone all the time. Everyone worships something or someone. Who do you worship? Our text says, these people honor me with their lips. And this is speaking to not unsaved people. But people who presumed that they had a relationship with God. 
People who presumed and assumed that they had it all together. They thought they were hitting the mark. They thought they were doing what God wanted them to do. And here is Jesus coming on the scene and saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They were doing the right thing verbally, but they were not at the right place emotionally. He says, but in vain do they worship me. So you know from this that there, there can be vain worship. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. I like the way the message Bible puts it, right? It says, these people make a big show of saying the right thing. But their hearts isn't in it. They act like they are worshipping me. But they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. Bible says you can act like you're worshipping, but you're not. Is that strange? Like were you acting this morning or were you worshiping? Can you imagine that Jesus walks into the church like the person Jesus just makes an entrance and he comes up here and he says, Were you worshiping me or were you acting? truth is our worship can miss the mark. You can worship and it is vain. You can worship and your heart not be in it. Let me tell you this. If your heart is not in worship, you're not worshiping God. They that worship must worship. We're going to get in spirit and truth. In truth. I don't want to get ahead of myself, right? But worship is one of those things that you do that is an expression of your love for God. And if your heart is not in it, you can't express love. Heartless love is pointless love. I want to write that down somewhere. No one can love without the heart being involved. And if worship is an expression of love, and your heart is not in it, you can't be worshipping. Because heartless love is pointless love. Your worship can also be a cover. Because you can go through the motions but not have the right focus. Think there was somebody says, Your body is hearing me and your mind is on the other side of town. Right? That happens so many times when we worship. It means that our soul is not in it. Because our soul is our will, our emotion, and our mind. And heartfelt worship that touches the heart of God is worship that engages 
man's heart. So I'm going to give us four facts about worship. And my idea is not so that we can know what it is, but so that we can worship God the way God wants to be worshipped. So worship is focusing and responding to God. Very important that you get that. You focus on God and you respond to God. Worship is focusing on God. I don't want it. If you miss this in worship, you're going to miss the whole thing. It, worship is not God responding to us. It is us responding to God. Because we cannot get to God. God must draw us to him. So we worship in response to God. Amen? Uh, in John 20 verse 28, we find the story of Thomas who had been with the rest of the disciples when the resurrected Jesus appeared. When Jesus does appear to Thomas, he cries out in an act of worship. He says, My Lord and my God. In other words, here it is that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, turns up and in response, Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God. He responded to God in worship. When we say God is here, we respond with worship. If you're not worshiping, you have not yet acknowledged God. Uh, I think Brother Kevin spoke to the scripture this morning. Revelation 4 verse 8. Speaks about the four creatures around the throne of God. Worshiping day and night. Saying, holy, holy is the Lord, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. All this is teaching is that God is always to be the center of our worship. The elders, the creatures, everything in heaven focuses on God and on God alone. If you're getting distracted, you can't worship. You know why people ask you to close your eyes? It's not so they want you to be holy. It's so that you can block out distractions. So when the church says, listen, just close your eyes and worship him, God knows, and you know, that if you keep looking around, you're going to see somebody here still and say, whoa, that nice. <laughs> Somehow your eyes going to shift and see somebody dressed and say, what a nice dress. Uh, uh, somehow my, uh, a man is going to look and say, boy, she look cutie. I don't know if she's so cute. You're going to get distracted. And what that means is, Jesus is no longer the center of your focus. All attention in heaven is on one 
and one only. Jesus. And they bow down and they worship. Crying out, holy, holy. That's what they do. Day and night. The scripture is also helping us to understand that to worship him is to ascribe the proper worth to God. To magnify his holiness and to magnify his worthiness. It it is to give him all that is due. What is God due? He's due the very best that we have to offer. And if in your worship, what you're giving God is not the absolute best with all excellence, it's not worship. Because worship is giving, giving him what he is worth. And he's worth the absolute best. And that is why if you have not given your best, you have not worshipped. So if this morning wasn't your best worship, you haven't worshipped. Next week must be the best you ever worship. Every time you come before God, you have to give him your absolute best. I'll tell you how this works. That is why you can't come to church tired. And beat out and broke down. And busted and dusted. You can't go to work and function properly if you're half awake. You can't come give God worship half awake. You you remember what the the priests used to do, right? Before they go and serve God, they used to sit up and talk and tell stories of the Bible before they go in. Because they didn't want anything to cross their mind that is ungodly. Worship doesn't begin on a Sunday morning. If you haven't prepared to meet the king, you can't meet the king. If church is where you come to meet the king, you're already going to be late. Because it's now your preparation. And the 30 minutes you have, is not enough time to prepare to meet the king. You know how I know when you're going out on your date, you take more than 30 minutes to prepare. So you can't tell me that God is getting all that he's worth if your preparation time to meet him is not more than when you're going out on your date. Some of you are probably saying, well... But glad me not did. Well, you think about it, it don't make a difference. He's worthy of all the worth and honor we can give him, and infinitely more. It's not that we can ever give him enough, but when we come, we must give him all of us every time. Every time we come to worship, whether it's in the church or in our homes, God must get. Everything we have. We must be spent in his presence. Nothing left. And so the more we focus on God. Is the more we understand. And appreciate how worthy he is. 
You have to focus on him. You have to focus on him. So now, this is how you realize, man, he's so worthy. And you appreciate how worthy he is. But something else happens in worship that is rarely talked about. And it is the fact that the closer we come to a holy God in worship, the more we come to realize our own unholiness. And that's why worship is important. Because the closer you get to God, is the more you see how far you have to go. You see, if you think you have already reached, something is wrong with your worship. Because as you worship God and you get closer, you realize, oh my God. Oh my God. I, I, I thought I was, but oh my God. When I get close to you, God, I realize how spotless and perfect and without blemish you are. To be exposed to the Holy God should bring about a response in me that should have me examine my own life and state of affairs. And one of the reasons why David could say, Search me, O God, and know my heart, is because David had a heart of worship. And David kept getting closer to God, and closer to God. And David had this desperate cry. And you'd think like, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. David was a man after God's own heart. David was this, but every time David got closer, he kind of stopped and said, But, but my God, Search me. Show me my sin. I confess my sin. I acknowledge my sin. See, you see this over and over again in scripture. Where God is worshipped. And the worshipper cries out because their spiritual state is exposed. Some of us, we don't know what is happening in our own spiritual lives. Because we haven't spent enough time worshipping God. That is what happened in Isaiah, in Isaiah 6 verse 5. He cries out, woe is me, for I am undone. This is the prophet. That when you read the scriptures, you don't hear anything bad about Isaiah. He's one of the prophets, you think, he was without spot or blemish. He was like Elijah who was running for his life. When you read the story of Isaiah, there is nothing there. The man have 66 books. And there are 66 books in the Bible, you know, 60 chapters. 66 books. Get it right, you know. Isaiah, serious prophet. Now, play, play, prophet. And Isaiah gets close to God and he cries out, Woe is me! I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He was saying that, oh my God, I thought I was there. But now that I have seen God, I am unclean. Simply means, church, that to walk into the presence of God is a life-altering event. If you tell me that you just worship God and you're still the same, you worship the wrong God. 
Because in the scripture, there is no one who went into the presence of God and worshipped and came out looking or being the same. The lady went in and he touched the hem of his garment and she was changed. A, a friend was put down through the roof who was paralyzed. He rose up and he walked. When Jesus enters the scene and we respond, it's life altering. Things change. So the more we worship, we are going to change. If you ain't changing, you ain't worshipping God. You may be worshipping, but it's vain. When God is worshipped, man is made transparent. Can see everything. So we are not worshipping if we are not focusing on God and responding to him. You may be in a church building, singing songs, reading scriptures, Listening to a sermon, but without focusing on God and responding to him. Truth is, you are not worshipping. You may be just going through the motions. Because you can only be worshipping God by focusing on him and responding to him. thing is that worship is conducted in spirit and in truth. These are, these are deeper internal attributes you see responding to God and focusing on God kind of have a lot of external focus but to worship God in spirit and in truth is more internally geared See, the most profound passage on the subject of worship is found in John chapter 4 verse 23 to 24 but it says but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers and if you understand how scripture is crafted, if you see true worshippers, it means that the opposite of true worshippers is also present in times. So if you see true worshippers, scripture teaches that that means that there is also false worshippers. Just like when scripture says true holiness, that means that there is a false holiness. True righteousness, there's a false righteousness. So when you see true worship, it's also teaching you to look out because there is false worship. It says the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such, watch this. I want, I want you to remember this line. For such people, the Father what? Seeks to be his worshippers. God selects true worshippers. He comes into the church. And he goes around and he looks. And he says, ah, this one is serious. Let me turn up right where they are right now. And all of us may be in the building. But that one person, he turns up for So, all we're doing, we're coming to the pageant. So, the worshippers get selected. And many times, not all of us get selected. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So before you can worship in spirit and in truth, 
you must have within you the one whose name is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. In other words, you cannot worship in spirit and truth without the spirit of truth living in you. He lives within those who have come to Christ in repentance and in faith. So when you see people who don't have a relationship with God singing songs, they're not worshiping God. I know it sounds harsh, but if you don't have the spirit of truth in you, you can't worship God in spirit and in truth. It, it's not possible. Without, without him, true worship will not happen. To worship God in spirit Spirit is to worship God from the inside out. So what you'll find is a lot of people like the songs. So they are responding to the song. They are not responding to the, <laughs> they are responding to the spirit of truth. Because you can respond to the song and have the right response. I feel like running. Skip. You're responding to the song. When you're clapping your hands and moving around, it is the beat of the song that you're responding to. And sometimes we see that and say, boy, that person is excited for Jesus. Whoa! And God, you're looking at the outward appearance, but God is looking where? Inside out. That means that there must be an attitude of sincere worship for there to be true worship. Because it's from the inside out. No matter how spiritual the song you're singing, no matter how profound the prayer you're praying, if it is not sincere, it is not worship. It is what you call hypocrisy. I'm telling you. If you sing it and don't mean it, it's hypocrisy. Amen? Who remembers the third song that we did this morning? Some of you don't even remember. You know. Gone out your head already. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen? Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We, we, we did impossible, then we did how great is our God, then we did bless the Lord of oh my soul, then we did. He's worthy of it all. Alright? Um, worship is all his name. Alright, do you know that if you sing that and you're not blessing the Lord, it's pointless? Because you know, you know you can't sing, bless the Lord of oh my soul, oh, worship his holy name. And if you're not worshipping him, it's hypocrisy. Because you're singing something that you're not sincere about. You, you know when people say there are many hypocrites in church? That's what they mean? That you don't mean what you sing. But you like the song. You like the song, but you don't like the demand of the song. You don't like the spirit of the song.
when the scripture talks about worshiping in spirit, in truth, it is talking about the truth as revealed through the Bible. And there are many attributes of God revealed in the scriptures. We may, we may like the fact that the scripture talks about a God who is loving and kind. But the scripture also talks ab about a God who will come again and judge the living and the dead. And that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, God is a jealous God. And he does not allow worship to be given to any other God that comes along. Just because we may not like that fact gives us no right to ignore that fact. He must be worshipped in spirit and in truth for it to be true worship. So the Bible reveals God to us so that we can have a clear understanding of who he is and how we should respond to him. We should never stop worshipping God just because we do not understand his ways fully. And that is why no matter what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Worship God. You may not understand the reason for it. You may not understand the season, but worship him. One of our acts of worship is to a God whom we comprehend, but never fully. That's it. One, one, one of the acts of worship is, I don't understand him fully. I don't comprehend him, but I'm going to worship him because that's faith. That's worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I don't know what I'm going through, but I worship you anyways. I don't, I don't understand it all, but I worship you anyways. I don't have all the answers to the questions in the scriptures, but I'm going to worship you anyways. I don't understand the Trinity, but I'm going to worship you anyways. I don't understand how God manifested himself in the flesh, but I'm going to worship you anyways. I don't understand, but I'm going to worship you anyways. Thirdly, uh, worship is expected both publicly and privately. So you need to dance a yard before you dance abroad. I can tell you the people, listen, it's very easy to tell people who worship at home. When you come to church, you can know people who always listen to worship music, always singing and dancing and worshiping God at home. When you come to church, you see it. You can tell. You can, you, you can listen. You can tell what is consistently done in a person's life when you see them in church. Over a consistent period of time, of course. You see, believers are expected to participate regularly in public worship. Say that again. If you're a child of God, you are to participate in public worship. Now I know that there's a pandemic, but some persons are not coming to church. And it's not because of the pandemic. Alright? There are some who have genuine pandemic reasons. But most people who are not going to church now is not because of the pandemic. I'm telling you. Here's what Hebrew 10, 23 to 25 says. It said, says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together. As is the habit of some. Let me help you. There are some people who not coming to church is a habit of theirs. The Bible tells you right here. It's a, it's a habit of some people. It's a habit. 
They just don't want to come to church in a pandemic business. The Bible tells us long time. Long before there was a pandemic, the scripture tells us that some people have a habit of not coming to church. You know why when they call them, them give you excuse? Habit. But it says when we come, it, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that assembling together, this means that Christians are together together with other believers for, for the express purpose of worship. You can't just worship at your yard by yourself. You are the church, but you can't do it alone. We are like charcoal. You know what happened? When you take it out and put it by itself, it starts out looking full of fire. But after a while, it, it, it out. But if it were with the other, it would stay ablaze. To stay ablaze, you need to mix up with the other. What do they call them? Embers? There you go. The primary take an ember and put it here after a while. Isn't that? Come on, we know that. We know that. We know that when we weren't coming to church, we were going further away from God. Because the little fire start die out. And then when we come back in the church now, it's hard to get the char- the one little charcoal back in the fire, you know. An ember in the fire, you know, because over the hot, you know. And you're done already. Gone lukewarm. Some of y'all cold, you know. Say, so yeah, I think, boy. I want them one next thing we go. Yeah, yeah, you have to almost like edge close, get to the heat before you get back on fire. So that is why when you see them start coming back to church, sometimes they start sidestep. <laughs> them, them adjusting to the temperature, you understand? <laughs> Christianity is not an isolationist religion. There are to be no lone ranger Christians. Besides that though, but even the lone ranger had tonto. Even the lonely, the lone ranger is wise enough to say though he's a lone ranger, he needed somebody by his side. The New Testament described the church as a body, a building, and a family. Each of these terms speaks of the relationship between the individual units and that of the whole. So we are individual Christians, but collectively we are Christians too. So the author of Hebrew even gives us the reason that we are to assemble together. Look at the passage in, in Hebrew, uh, um, from Hebrew again. It says, we assemble together to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We need the rest of people around us in an atmosphere of worship so we can encourage each other to do what is good and to do what is loving. Because our assembling together is an act of 
encouragement to other believers. When we come together and we see other people worshiping God, it makes us want to worship God as well. There's an encouragement and a stimulation that happens when we come together as the people of God to worship. We should always seek to encourage one another and worshiping together should be habitually one of these ways. Habitually. And that is why, you know, sometimes when they're doing the songs, they say, tell your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. Sometimes you need to touch your neighbor and say, get up, man. Get up. I worship God. Clap your hands, man. Better than that. We have to encourage each other. When they say they don't feel like, ask them, you ever feel like no eat yet and you still eat because you're hungry? Worship God the same way. Worship God until the feelings come. If you wait and your feelings, you're not going to do it. Just keep doing it. Can't follow your feelings, you know. If if you follow, some of you follow your feelings, they never beard. Okay, you never feel the beard yet. <laughs> you can't follow your feelings. <laughs> I know some of you are not feeling this morning. That's why you're laughing so much. You know, yeah, but on the other hand, though, public worship alone will not satisfy our need to meet God. Satisfy. We will need to, to um, meet to God, meet God in those quiet places as well. Luke, as speaking of Jesus, tells us he continued his habit of retiring to deserted places and praying. So though we meet publicly, there's a time when we have to privately, in our own spaces and time, worship God. We find in the scripture that Jesus faithfully participated in public worship. But he also faithfully participated in private worship. Uh, in fact, Mat- Matthew Henry, the familiar Puritan uh, commentator, has said, Public worship will not excuse us from secret worship. So don't just come to church and do it. And that is why I'm saying that really what we do on a Sunday morning should be an expression of what we have been doing all week. We should come to church all fired up. And we keep saying, like when you come into the, you can't, you can't get ready when you're with the dead. You have to do that from before. So when we get into church, it's time to get going. It's not time to warm up. You know, in the Olympics and all of those big events, they have the warm-up area before you come into the main stadium. Like church is like the main stadium. When you get into the main stadium, the warm-up must be done. The main stadium is not for the warm-up. It's for the real race. So the warm-up has to take place on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So when you get here on Sunday morning, you're ready for the real thing, the real deal. We must worship 
God with other believers and in private as well. That was a habit of Jesus and it should be our habit as well. Let me close this out with point number four. Uh, worship is a discipline to be learned and practiced. Scripture instructs us, instructs us in, in Matthew 4 verse 10. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. So to worship the Lord our God throughout our lifetime, it will require discipline. It's going to require discipline. Because without discipline, our worship of God will be inconsistent as, at best. And that is why you have to have a daily devotional time. Time devoted to God. And do it when you can really devote the time to God. And in that time, find songs, play them. Just read your Bible, pray, all of these things. You have to consistently practice. How do you develop these things? Practice, 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 practice. The book of Hebrew has already told us that we are to consistently assemble together so that we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Forming holy habits takes consistency, which takes discipline. Uh, Lamoy plays the bass guitar, right? And here's the truth. He, he didn't become good overnight. He never started out this way. He's way better now than when he was first here like a few years ago. Why? Because of practice. He consistently practiced. I've already son, um, Jonathan, and he plays a drum. And here's what he always have his sticks at home and everything he's doing. He's, he's drumming and things. And, you know, he'll be just sitting down on the chair and drumming. And he, he's watching television and he gets the remote and he, he's drumming and he's knocking stuff. He, he just, he, he's just, you'll see, if he's in the office sometimes, you'll see him doing it. All right? Now, we have him doing some drumming thing, and I think he came yesterday, um, and he was pr um, practicing learning from our drummer, right? And and his comments were that he's he's very good man. He just needs to get the basics right. All right, that happened because without anyone telling him to, he was practicing. And if a child can do that, you can practice and practice and practice and practice until these disciplines become a consistent part of your life. Right? Here again I must add a caution. Remember worship is focusing and responding to God. That's what it is. It's not about so it is not about now oh you know what let me let me let me let me see how good I can be or how best I can. No, it's not about that. It's not trying to win something. It's not trying to conquer something. No, it, it, it is really about God. So the purpose of the practice is so that Jesus can still be the center. It's not about Jonathan being a drummer. It's about him being a worshiper that plays drum. It's, it, it can't be about Lamar being a bass. He's not a bassy. He's a worshiper of God who plays the bass. Because the focus is not the bass playing. It is God. Are you understanding me? The, you're not a dancer. You're a worshiper who dance. The focus must be on God. And not the practice. 
See, my footprints can lead me to a habit of worship, but my heartbeat must lead me to a relationship with God. Let me say that again. My footprints can lead me to the habit of worship, but my heartbeats must lead me to a relationship with God. Worship of God is an end in itself. So there is no higher goal than to focus on God and to respond to God. To reach that goal, to reach for godliness. So, the more truly we worship God, is the more we become like God. As I said in the beginning, godliness without the worship of God is impossible. It is a true statement because people become what they focus on. We emulate what we think about. Paul said it this way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Focusing on the world more than than on God makes me more worldly than godly. But if I would be more godly, If I want to be more godly, I must focus on God. Because godliness requires focused thinking. I must be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I must discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. Here's what I found in life. I become what I am committed to. I become what I'm committed to. So will you commit your life to Christ? Will you commit to following him in discipleship? Will you commit to worshiping, worshiping him daily? It takes discipline to be a disciple. The question is, will you commit to that goal? Will you commit to worshiping God day and night, night and day? Listen, I want you to, to, to just stand with me because we, we, we're just going to end with worship. Um, um, you know the song? Uh, you know it very well. To worship you, I live. Right? We go. Amen? We go. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to talk to you about worship. And then you don't worship. And so before you even get there, begin to prepare your hearts. Right now. Don't wait until the music starts. Don't wait until somebody begins to say something to you. It's like you take some time to prepare your heart to enter into the presence of this holy, mighty, strong God. You understand? Before you get in, you say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence, Lord God. I enter with thanksgiving in my heart. I enter your courts with praise. Lord God, I come, Lord God, and I come like Isaiah the prophet says, Woe is me of unclean lips. And so God, I ask you to purge and to cleanse me. Wash me of anything, Lord God, that would hinder me from getting into the holiest of holies. God, I'm coming in, Lord God, because I want to worship you. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth, almighty God. I want to lift my hands to you. I want to lift my heart to you. I want to respond to you. I want to focus on you. So God, when you turn up, I will respond. God, if you say jump, I will jump. If you say shout, I will shout. If you say dance, I will dance. If you want me to clap, you want me to bow down, God, I will go ahead and do that. Whatever you want me to, Lord God, I will do. For your presence is an open door, Lord God. Hallelujah. We bless you. We worship you. Come on, just just worship him. You don't need a song. Just lift your hands and worship him this morning. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. We bless your name. Your presence is an open door. No. Come on, just worship him. Your presence. We bless your name, Jesus. We exalt you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Come on, just, just begin to. Jesus, we bless you. God, we bless you. We bless you. Begin to worship him by calling his name this morning. Call him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is Jehovah Shabbat. He is the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Makadesh. Jehovah Shekinu. He is the Lord of righteousness. He is our sanctifier. He is the good shepherd. He is the mighty God. He, come on, just worship him this morning. Hallelujah. Your presence is an open door. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands this morning. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you.